Welcome back to the first What The Fork Sunderland review show of the season. Sadly, it did start with defeat for the lads as newly promoted Ipswich Town. And of course, of course, Nathan Broadhead arrived at the stadium light and took all three points with a 2-1 win. Um, we've had a sleep and a night to think it over. And we're going to go over the main talking points from the game and kind of cover off what was... Actually, not the worst defeat in the planet, but a defeat's a defeat in the same way a win is a win. But to join me, first and foremost, Brad Sharp. Brad, um, nice sleep on it, but how are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, not bad, mate. Um, it was nice to be back in the stadium yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, shame that the tellies weren't on the wall the right way. Like <laughs> <some> <laughs> uh, but no, it was good to be back at the football. Result aside, I did enjoy myself. Um, I in particular enjoyed the first half until late score, if I'm honest. I thought we played some lovely football. Very impressed by one player in particular. Um, but yeah, I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad, mate. Um, I would have liked to start. I don't think you ever want to start a season with a defeat. It kind of just takes the wind out your sails a little bit. But ultimately, like, nice to be back. And it was a it's a good crowd. And I felt like the game itself was exciting. I never felt like the lads didn't put in effort to try and win the game. It would just, we'll get into it. But do you know when a cat has a daft half hour? That was Sunderland yesterday, pretty much. Um, Dave, obviously you've joined us as well, mate. Of course, it's a defeat. You always do join us after a defeat. Um, how are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, very well. Um, really glad that my prediction was absolutely nowhere near. I nearly got the four goals bit right. I thought I wanted to give myself a little bit of credit, but yeah, no credit other than a bit of pretty football. The press was quite good in the first 20 minutes. Yeah, you you move on. A, a season's not done. After one game, is it? Um, first time we've, first time we've lost an opening day fixture in seven seasons. I think, unfortunately, there's a stat for you. Um, but yeah, onwards and upwards, I guess. Yeah, actually, that's true. I think. Well, I can't remember the last time we lost it. Lost a game, start of the season. We normally start quite well, don't we? And um, well, at least the first game. But um, I mean, two one defeat, which isn't great. But uh, ten men, couple of daft goals conceded, Brad. Almost sneaked a draw. It had plenty of action. It wasn't like a boring game. I'm sure the neutrals would have enjoyed it. But um, kind of how are you feeling about it the day afterwards? Because it doesn't feel as demoralising as maybe a defeat normally should do because of multiple reasons. But, um, you know, how are you feeling? I feel quite positive, really. Um, I am hoping that the owners have seen what we've all seen. I think it was a big two fingers up to them from Tony Mowbray being 2-0 down, taking our only recognised striker off and throwing big Dan Ballard up there. Um, but no, I feel, I've, I've seen, I, I know you can't win or lose a season on the first game, but I have seen glimpses there that there is, a, there is quality in this side and they are only going to improve with more games, with given the age of them, Bellingham, um, Equar, just to name a couple. Uh, I thought they were very good, considering it's the first game of the season. Um, I'm not going to be too downhearted. Yes, I would have liked to at least picked up a point towards the end. I thought we probably would have deserved it on the balance of play. Um, take nothing away from Ipswich, the game. And they executed a decent enough game plan on us, I think. Um, got a goal just before half-time, didn't they? And that, that changes the team talk on both sides. And... I think we came out and we looked a little bit rattled, as if the, like we hadn't settled. I used the half time to settle down. We looked like the goal had just happened technically, but we looked a little bit rattled and didn't get into our stride until we went two 0 down and made a few changes. And funnily enough, went down to ten men. Um, 
I don't feel too bad about it. I mean, I called it, said we'd lose the first one, and let's see if we can go on and win the next three. Dave, so the same question to you. Obviously, it's look on paper, it's a defeat at home to a newly promoted side in front of um, a big crowd, uh, and it's the home form we talked about has started off in the worst way because the defeat's a defeat. Now, however you look at it, but look, there is glaring things that we're going to get onto um, that we do want to discuss. But I suppose in a call like a day, we're not like, oh god, the football's back. Oh no, that's terrible. Our oh, typical Sunderland. It's it's an okay defeat if there's such a thing. Actually, there's no such thing as an okay defeat, but it's it hasn't left us feeling demoralised or, or me feeling demoralised. Do you feel the same way, Dave? Or? Yeah, it's one of them, isn't it? It's kind of that whole anticipation. It's been off for a couple of months, buzzing to get back there, 40-odd 40, 40 thousand. It's on Sky. Let's be honest, Sky's never normally a good omen for us if we're... If we're getting down to the nitty-gritty of it. Like Brad said, there, there was positives there. I think first 20 minutes, he couldn't cope with us. And then there's just this... There's just a narrative with, like, Sky Sports commentary of, of certain teams, isn't there? I mean, if I hear once more about how good Ipswich are and how much depth they've got on the bench and stuff, what? They brought Marcus Harness on. Like, are you actually being serious? They were, we're classing that as depth when... There's the likes of Southampton and Leicester and Leeds. And, yeah, I'm not having that. So, obviously, there's a bit of a love-in. Kieran McKenna's clearly got shares in Sky, and that's the reason that they, like, all love them. Um, they came. They had a plan. Broadhead was the difference, I suppose, wasn't he? Lucky deflection. It is a great pass for the second goal, albeit possibly shouldn't have had the time to do it. But that is, again, something we're going to have to get used to. The way that we want to play football, there is going to be spaces in between the lines. There is going to be players who play that kind of, I think I saw Copley call it yesterday, that nine and a half position. Um, and, and it will punish us at times. We've got a lot to learn. They are young. I think the special mentioned to Pierre Ekwa yesterday, I think it was phenomenal. I think he's grown every time. And that's probably his what? 20th appearance as a 25th appearance as a professional footballer. Um, Bellingham made some nice touches and a few nice bits of vision. And then to give the to give the old guard a mention, I think Pritchard needs a special mention, which I'm sure he will get a mention as the show goes on. Definitely offers us something. Definitely got a bit of uh, old school intelligence, which we need. Yeah, not too deflated, but Frustrated, I guess, is a better way to put it. I'd agree with that, actually. Um, I thought I, I agree with you on Edwards. I've actually just checked, as you were saying, that I don't know if it's his 14th start, but that's only his 14th appearance in senior football. Bearing in mind, I think the one against Luton, where he was outstanding last season at home, would have been his 12th. Um, so an absolute player that's, that's in there. And, and I do want to discuss that first half, Brad, because it felt like win control, if I'm honest with you. Like, if you'd said to me, you know, I thought we were going to get beat based on the first sort of half an hour. Yeah, the sneak didn't work a little bit. They had that chance where it was nine, did brilliant to clear off the line, I think it was. And But I remember saying, you know, we've dominated this game, but like it feels like um, they've maybe had the best chance with that one nine and, it, and then the goal comes. But there was that huge chance for Job, right? And I think when you miss a chance like that, it starts to begin to tell a narrative a little bit. But um, the first half performance was good. 
Um, what did you make of that sort of first half, especially the first 20 minutes, half an hour, and also that Joe Bellingham chance? Is, is that kind of where it changed a bit? Because it's a mental thing, isn't it, when you miss an open goal, even though it was a harder chance than it actually looked, I think. Um, I'll, I'll mention the chance first, really. I think he's caught it too, he's caught it too well. <laughs> it came back at him and he's actually caught it too well. Um, could have done with just scuffing it, hitting the bottom of his studs and it would have just rolled in the net. But look, after he missed that chance, I don't think he let his head drop. He wanted to put it right. and That's the one player I was talking about at the start. I was very impressed with. He had some lovely touches, um, little flicks here and there. It was nice when we were trying to go a little bit long. We were trying to hit him and he was flicking it on the clock. There was a couple of times that happened in the first half. He's a big boy. Um, but, yeah, like you said, we, we played some nice stuff. It was that final third. It's the elephant in the room. There's just no one there to, to finish it. And that's why Zavswitch had the better chances because they had strikers, experienced strikers. Um, but when you look at it from the other side, it's sort of like, do Rob, Roberts and Clark, do they trust the striker that's in there? Because they have plenty of chances to put the ball in the box. But instead, they were trying to cut in, cut in again, cut in again. Instead of whipping it in and see if he can get on the end of it. It was just, a, it was push, It was very pleasing on the eye to watch until we got to the final third. And I just didn't see us creating them chances where I thought, oh, there's going to be a goal coming here. There's going to be a goal coming here. And the, the, the one glaringly obvious chance that we had was for Mekwa striking it from outside the box, which was a lovely strike too, by the way. Um, I'm not a fan of people screaming shoot when he gets the ball from 45 yards out, but <laughs> when he's 20 yards out, we've seen what he's done in America. He's more than capable of of uh, finding the back of the net, and if not, making the goalkeeper spill it. So I hope going forward he has that confidence to take them type of strikes on more and more, because that could lead to some very good chances, as we've seen. Um, but yeah, I mean, take that goal. If, if if they hadn't scored that first half, I would say that pretty much of a good first half as we could have asked for without a goal. I thought we, we dominated the play. Like, in in the middle of the park, we, I, I can't remember them really causing us any problems. I've seen a few forums saying Bordhead was man of the match. He, he dominated the game. But until his goal, I didn't really think he touched the ball. Then we isolated their better players. It's just, look, he's... When I, I mean, I, I think it was a lucky deflection, but when I watch it back, and some of the times what he'd done, for, some of the runs that he made for us, he actually put his leg out to play it as well. So it's a, it's a great instinct to finish. And that, I suppose that's what you get from having a striker who has the instinct to go and do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the game isn't won or lost in 45 minutes. Um, second half, it, it took us about 20 minutes to get going again. And that's that's really what killed us, I think. Yeah, the start of that second half, I kind of have to agree. I, I alluded to it before and said it was like when your cat has a daft half hour or your dog, whatever you have, and they just have all day, they're, they're kind of comfortable and normal and, and happy and just asleep. And then for like 25 minutes to 30 minutes, just run around the house and just do all sorts of shite. That was kind of like someone's defending for like 25 minutes. And it was like just at the end of the first half. And then Oh, that second half was was a bit raggy, like. But I agree on Broadhead. Look, I'm a big, big fan of Broadhead. I think um, we should have brought him back. Obviously, um, that's not said in hindsight. You can listen back. I'm a big fan of Nathan Broadhead, but I kind of forgot that he was there until Rory hilariously went the goal scorer number thirty nine, Nathan Broadhead, which is actually 
slightly different in comparison to his Ross Stewart. Um, he's, he's Ross Stewart, um, which I kind of felt sorry for. And I was like, oh, shit, I brought that's playing. Of course he did. Or, or his announcement of 13 minutes added time. <laughs> He was a little, had a little bit more uh, rava room, I think, didn't he, when he said that? But to be fair, to him, I would have said Broadhead the same way. So, um, but it did feel like I, I've got to be honest. I mean, maybe I'm missing something, but I kind of forgot that he was playing against us. But the finish, yeah, you can't take it away from him. it. Looked really lucky at first, but when you watch it back, it's it's everything Broadhead's about being in the right place at the right time. Um, a nice little touch with the outside of his boots, sort of. Um. And just instinct, and I, th- I think Broadhead's a great player. I think he's an excellent championship player, and I think we're going to prove that. And I think it'll be one of the better strikers we come up against. Um, away from that a little bit, Dave. Obviously, you're not. You were swung round by him a bit last season, and I know you went previously, but there's been plenty of rumor about Danny Bart, and we saw Luke Nine, who I was alluding to before, come in defence alongside Dan Ballard. Obviously, uh, Jensen Seelt and Aji Alessi are injured, but it looks like at present, Mowbray is going to prefer Onayan. I think my coming back in the car yesterday, last night, my overriding feeling of Twitter was that a lot of people seemed really frustrated with um, Onayan. My personal opinion is that I quite like Onayan's centre-half. I think it's actually his best position. People will disagree and agree with me on that. And I think, you know, he was done a bit for the goal, but I think in general, Onayan's showed that his best position is either there or right back. And I'm nine times out of 10 quite comfortable with him being there. But a lot of people don't agree with that. A lot of people are not of that opinion. Um, but at present, it looks like Moby is going to prefer O'Neill, hence why um, Triantis is on the bench and hence why Danny Bart was on the bench. Uh, people going overboard on the criticism of O'Neill yesterday or is that a problem, Dave? Do you think we actually do need an out-and-out centre-half alongside Ballard or you know, but Danny Bart doesn't go. Do you just bring him back in alongside Ballard and you know, kind of use O nine as a a substitute option if you prefer? I, I kind of i get the i get the reasoning for him being there, and it, it's probably his. It's more his capabilities on the ball. We all know he can head the ball. He was our out ball a million times when the average size of the defenders was like five foot three last season. So he, he has got attributes there. You know, the one thing that I think lets him down, and, and a lot of people will say it is one of his strong points, but is his his personality and the way he plays football. Uh, it, it's a, it's an exuberance. And, and while it's contagious, and while it's also one of his strong points, in situations like that last night, like yesterday, it can be as negative as well. And I think that's all it comes down to. It, it's a, he hasn't got that experience of a Danny Bart. Um, he's obviously not as big physically. That's understandable. Danny Bart's perfected his, his craft for however many years. I mean, what is Danny Bart, 30-year-old? So probably... 12 years worth of playing centre-half. And, and an out, 30, well, there you go then. So probably 15 years of playing centre-half and out and out centre-half. Luke O'Neill's been doing it for a couple of years. I saw, and, and I was the same for the first six months that we had Luke O'Neill of kind of, here we go, he's got a lovely smile. I still saw that coming out yesterday on Twitter and I'm kind of like, listen, I don't think it needs to be that that bad. Um. 
yes, he was naive for the goal. Yes, you've got to give Broadhead kudos for the pass. It was perfectly weighted. Um, do I think George Hurst should be getting that much space? No, he shouldn't. It, it's one of them. It, it was it was naive from Luke nine, but there was plenty of other mistakes before the goal. There, there is a couple of phases of play beforehand. Um, if I'm not mistaken, was it not Patrick Roberts gave the ball away originally? And I think there was a lack of options for Patrick Roberts to play the ball. And again, Patrick was frustrated. I saw someone yesterday saying that he shouldn't be, he shouldn't have been isolated. But then he was isolated for the last 10 minutes of regular play. And he absolutely tortured them. He was different level for 10 minutes, Patrick Roberts. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's any... I can understand if we went 3-0 yesterday, nobody mentions Lugo 9. We've gotten beat. There was a glaringly obvious mistake from him. There was other phases of play beforehand. I'm not getting carried away. I think there's definitely something there with Luke. I think he's definitely good enough to... He's proved last year he's good enough to play at this level. Um, where I think because he's that utility man, go back over the years to trying to think of someone but like nationally who we'd recognise Phil Neville who knows what Phil Neville's actual best position was and within football they'd probably tell you something different to us fans on the bench but... with Phil Neville um, <laughs> I will I'm not right. forgive him for the Euros <laughs> and that tackle on the Romanian lad idiot <laughs> I, I reckon there's um, I reckon there's a few Sunderland fans would say Luke O'Neill's best positions on the bench. So there you go. The the comparison fits. I don't think we need to get carried away. There, there was a I can understand the frustration. We all share the same frustrations with lacks of si- lack of signings and and lack of big names and whatever. This is the way the model is, and and if we go eight games without a win to begin the season, I'm probably going to jump on board and say, yeah, this is taking the piss. One game in, let's see how we react next week. I guess. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I think, look, I'm a really big on Iron fan. Um, I think he's best position as centre half. But if you're asking me, do I want O'Neill to play there or Danny Bart alongside Ballard? I'm going to pick Danny Bart every time. If I'm completely honest with you. for reasons that I think most people will know, he's our player of the year last year. But well, apparently he's playing tomorrow against Crew. But who knows what the future is going to hold with Danny Barton? Obviously, not everything's um, not everything's as normal as you would like it to be. Um, Brad, I'm, I'm I'm going to come to you with with the next one. Um, look, I'm I'm and we are really really big fans of of Trey Hume. Uh, really big fans. I thought he was really poor yesterday. And I think that was summed up by his red card. But in the the isolation of that incident, although it actually made us play better, weirdly, do you think it was a red card? Because I don't think the second yellow was a yellow, if I'm honest with you. I don't even think it was a foul, mate. The, 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 the Ipswich player has literally felt the smallest hand on his back and went down. But that's the way the modern game is at the moment. If they have an opportunity to get sent, send someone off, not sportsmanship. They'll just go ahead and do it. Um, if it was the other way around, we'd be telling our player to do pretty much the same and we'd be calling for a red. So, But yeah, it's a strange one with Trey. I just didn't think he got into the game yesterday at all. Um, I thought he was very, very poor. 
we're touching on the 0-9 thing as well. Now Hume's going to be suspended. I don't know if the AFL game, the cup game counts for that, but I wouldn't be against seeing, or I mean, I know Huggins came on, but I wouldn't be against seeing 0-9 go to right back and bringing Bart in. Because um, I think his best, 0-9's best position is right back. But I think Mowbray knows he can put Gooch there, he can put Huggins there. So we're not going to be short of, of cover, really. But yeah, I was very disappointed with Trey Hume, not just with the red card. It was his overall game. I just didn't think he looked the same player as he has done. Um, but I'm not going to write again. I'm not going to write too much into it. It's one game. Uh, last season, he was absolutely outstanding. Um, and rightfully, like, kept his place in the side and deserved to be there on merit. Um, but yeah, it was a funny... I, I'm, I'm still not convinced... Was a stonewall red card. I think the referee could have maybe said, "Look, you're on a yellow um, anymore," and then that's it. But I think if the referee looks back, you'll think, "Oh, well, that was soft." Because to be fair, there was a couple of their number seven was it with a stupid haircut. Before he got a yellow card, he brought down Jack Clark in pretty much the same circumstances and didn't get away. Uh, got away with it and just got a talking to. Then the next foul he put in, he got a yellow. Hume put his first one in, and I think O Nine and Ballard were telling the referee that because it was only a couple of minutes later that how can he give a yellow for one, not for the other? So, in theory, if the referee wants to be consistent, here we are talking about fucking referees again. If he wants a bit of consistency, should their lad have had the yellow for the first one and then his second one being a, a red card, potentially, but hey, it's gone. Um, but he was poor, very poor. If, if he never got sent off, I'd have been looking to take him off. I kind of agree with what M. Aubrey said yesterday. Like, I think referees are seemingly under so much pressure. They want to get every little thing 100% spot on and actually get more wrong. And I don't think it contributed to our defeat yesterday because I thought Hume was um, honking yesterday. And look, spades a spade. Um, I really rate the kid a lot. I like him a lot. But it, that wasn't his standard yesterday. Um, in any way, shape, size, or form, I thought he was incredibly poor. I thought Sirkin wasn't great. Um, first half, I thought he grew into it from an attacking perspective later on, but I, I, that wasn't a red for me. I don't think it made much of a difference, but like ultimately, it's it's a pain in the backside because you never know. Like one of those crosses that went in near the end could have had a human on the end of it, might have stuck him up front and all that kind of rubbish and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, referees, of course, we were going to discuss it. But um, look, elephant in the room, Dave. There is an elephant in the room here. Uh, we spoke highly of him here and said he'd look good in pre-season. I think we've seen yesterday we've got a very young, raw, talented kid that's going to take a while to go into his, and it was position. Um, the lad behind me yesterday, and I hate to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it, said if you bang that ball over the top, Roscoe's running the channels down there. And I think even if you think Kimia was all right, and look, I didn't think he was great yesterday. I certainly didn't think he was bad. But I do think it's a shame that there was literally no options and there's still no other options. We had Jack Clark up front, which is, you might as well stick me up front if I'm honest with you, I think. I don't think Jack Clark's a centre forward. So Elephant in the Room, last season, we had two periods of time where we had strikers that were injured and didn't replace it. And eventually we got to the playoffs and we kind of went, oh, okay, fair enough. Like, it's fine. We've kind of we've worked it out. It's all right. Sorted out in the summer. Um, we ended yesterday's game without a recognised striker. How many times do we need to repeat this before it gets remedied? And I'm not having to go at the recruitment here because I think Speakman's done a very good job. But you cannot be going into seasons with just one recognised striker. You just can't. 
massively. Yeah. Um, however, slightly different take. I agree with it all. However, I think Brad said it earlier, and I think Ed, who do I blame for that? Who am I going to blame for what I what I see? I guess it comes down to a little bit of Mowbray because we've had Hamia for a lot of preseason. He's been in and around, and he's getting used to the way that we play. I think Brad hit it on the head earlier by saying Clark and Roberts were playing as inverted wingers. And I understand that. Hamia is clearly a different type of player to Roscoe. Many a player is going to be different to Roscoe because we all know how much we have a love in with him, me and yourself. And Hamia is there for the balls to be in the box. We saw it for the co- from the corner against Mallorca. What he brings to the party, he is a, he is a big, big lad. Um, strong, physical. I think a couple of times the ball was played into his feet yesterday, and he looked after it quite well. Uh, and I'm a I'm a big fan of that. However, exactly like you see it, then balls down the side. He, he's just he's not going to be involved in that type of build up play. Um, and I, th- I think you've got to put that down tactically. The fact that we we almost played as if we didn't have a centre forward yesterday. But we did have a centre forward, <laughs> so it, it's slightly confusing, and it's also very frustrating when you break it down. And you look at it because how how do you remedy that? Well, realistically, we had two we had two out and out fullbacks yesterday who've getting a lot of praise from from the footballing world as well as their own fans. Now, I haven't looked at it back. I haven't broke it down. But if if Clark and Roberts are coming inside. That should then leave the space for the fullbacks to then deliver that ball. We've scored um, from a ball in from the left. Good position from Dan Neil. Good finish, tidy finish as well. Do I think if that ball comes across when Hemi is there that he finishes it? Yes, I do. So I think the style of play was a little bit confused yesterday. Um, if we're going to try and play that way, you might as well just not have play Pritchard up there as as the false and bring him here on for a little bit of impact when we're going a bit more direct and doing that of course I agree with Brad again I'm agreeing with Brad a lot dear which is mad um I told you I know Ross uh in the group chat yesterday said what's Mowbray doing bringing him off when which is and I, I think exactly the same as Brad I think it's a massive fuck you to the board saying get me some reinforcements get me some different types of player uh again i think i just revert back to that word frustrated really really frustrated at certain things but it is game one of the season so i'm prepared to let it slide and, and try not to get too upset about it really i uh, don't want to like say you know when we had um because we've said first game of the season i just want to point out i'm certainly not writing him here off i'm not i'm actually want i want him to be given the best chance possible to be an absolute asset and i don't want all the pressure to be on a kid of 19 that's um doesn't deserve that kind of pressure um i just wish you was fit so badly um but i feel like i've said that for i don't know how many months um brad what, what's your take on this striker situation because look People are going to be like, oh, are you whinging, Graham? I, I am. But it, it's not right that we've only got one recognised tracker going in again. Like, this needs to be remedied, and hopefully it will be by the time this goes out. 
Yeah, completely. I mean, exactly the same as Dave. I think we all, not just us, every Sunderland fan can all see it. So I don't know how them upstairs haven't seen it and addressed it yet. Um, I mean, touching on what Dave was saying about the inverted wingers, I mean, there was times yesterday, mind, especially Sterkin was getting down the outside of Clark. But Clark was just ignoring him, cutting inside, either losing it, falling over, or maybe he's just trying to switch the play, spread at the other other side. But there was times Sterkin was getting down the outside and he wasn't being picked out by Clark at all. And that was that was quite frustrating because I think Sterkin had got the ability to put a ball in like we're seeing for the goal. Um but yeah, it's it's not just the lack of having a big lad, a big striker up front. If we had Hamir and Stewart, it's having a different type of striker as well. Where if we if we did address it and had I don't know, not just a Gelhart type, but maybe of that mould, maybe, and then he changes it and brings someone like that on, and he can say, well, look, we're trying to change, tweak the system, here and we're going to go for it. But it was the fact that he's brought Pritchard on the same time he took Hamir off when. Pritchard has put them on a plate for him even pre-season. I think he's assisted two of them. And we were saying for a large part of last season that uh, Pritchard misses Ross Stewart. And that was like the change at that time where he thought Pritchard would have came on um, and give us that, I don't know, that that bit creativity. It was it was just a bit strange. Um, but it was definitely for Mowbray. It was him saying, like, fuck you, get me some strikers or this is a shite you're going to have to put up with. I like the idea of uh, Tony Mowbray saying "fuck you." It actually makes me laugh quite a bit. That, but I can't imagine him ever saying it. Well, you know what it is. I can't even do his accent. Um, but yeah, I, I do. I think I think it was a message, Brad, as well. I think um, he's he's more or less said it, hasn't he? I need more options up front. It doesn't think it's a hidden message. He said it. Uh, it feels like I've been more negative on this. Oh crap! Um, but Dave, one big positive for me. Um, if I'm completely honest, was Pritchard, and I think sometimes we we dug Pritchard out a little bit last year for, um, maybe being not not good, but I think there was points when we were like, oh, we we know more can come from Pritchard because we rate him so highly, but I thought he made a massive difference yesterday. But it was annoying that he had nothing to hit because Hamir was the player that he replaced. Um, there's question marks over Pritchard's future whether he's going to get a contract at the end of the season, but I think. For me, when we're talking about experience in a team, um, I actually quite like the idea of buying young, hungry players and all that kind of thing. But I think the way Pritchard came on and was just so mature in his performance, um, I think that speaks volumes as to why you do sometimes need that sort of experience within your within your ranks. And I think Pritchard is as important as he ever was me. What's uh, your thoughts on Pritch? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, at one point last season, I was probably thinking to myself, yeah, I can see why they're letting them go. I can see why they're letting them fizzle out. But then yesterday highlighted, and, and it might be different towards the middle of the season when everyone's up and running and up to speed, but yesterday highlighted what a, a Pritchard, what a, a Danny Barton instead of an 0-9 there, um, what a Corey Evans might bring you. Um, and, and I think it, it just... It just proves the point that you can't just do it with kids, um, as as a famous Scottish man once said. Um, yeah, I've really enjoyed Pritchard's cameo. He, he took a couple of minutes to get warm. I remember there's one one little layout to the to the right 
right wing that he played and it was over his head. And I'm thinking, oh, for God's sake, here we go. He's just joined in with the rest of them. But he got on the ball. And, and I think that's the thing, isn't it, with someone like Pritchard. Um, I noticed it from Roberts a little bit yesterday. As frustrated as we were with Jack Clark's performance. And I, I think in order to make it a bit more positive, because uh, we probably have sounded frustrated, if nothing else, um, none of them shied away from the ball. Clark kept wanting the ball. Roberts kept wanting the ball. Pritchard kept wanting the ball. We had a little bit of momentum, even though we went down to uh, 10 men. And we still managed to gather some momentum from 2-0 down. I think that's massively impressive, I guess, to still have a, a phase of a player that we're on top. Um, it keeps us fans on board because there's... At one point yesterday, I thought to myself, oh, they might just get booed off a little bit here. It's been a little bit flat this second half. And I'm not talking about booze and, and calling for Mowbray's head or anything, but I think maybe it's a little bit of displeasure. And they turn that round and they give the they give the players a, a good old send off on the way down the tunnel. So yeah, it's I think he's massively important. I think that I think that just spine of experience, the the senior parts of the team are really important. And uh listen, if Pritchard's not gonna get a get a, another contract, which it sounds like he's not. I hope he uh, I hope he sticks around for a couple of months until we replace him. Mary's Mary's Bradley Dak might uh, might pick up that part eventually. Yeah, I, I think that's another fair point to be honest. Then we'll talk about bringing the experience, but there is there is Dak to come, and I mean he's twenty nine and he's been there and done it. So um, that's fair play. It means that you know that the the club obviously on completely against the idea of bringing in players over that age as long as it's free and it represents good value because otherwise Bradley that wouldn't be here but I just think you need to have a little bit more trust in that spine just something that anchor these players I think it'll benefit these young hungry players that are obviously hugely talented by having a bit of experience but here I'm not reinventing the wheel here like you don't have to have a podcast to be able to recognize that and and I think it's said throughout our fan base but. Um, Brad, two more things before we go. Obviously, 13 minutes injury time. Actually, really hard to disagree with, but just kind of a weirdly pleasant surprise because you don't really see it. We normally see four minutes, six minutes if we're lucky. Um, looks like it's going to be a, a feature of next season. Is is that a good thing, do you think? Could make it more exciting, make it a bit fairer? Depends if we win or not. <laughs> um, the guy next to me actually said, oh, there's got to be at least three or four minutes here at the end. And I said, maybe seven or eight, mind, they're doing this new thing where they can't waste time when they put 13 up. And strangely, right, I don't think that was enough because throughout that 13 minutes, they time-wasted again. Um, I know the ref, I think, went to 15 in the end, but there was times where I think they went down with a, a stupid injury, faked an injury or whatever. Um, there was a multi-ball, but they were forgetting to pick up the, the multi-ball. Um, so, yeah... Um, I mean, I'm all for it. If it means us as paying fans are getting more football and more value to what we are paying for, then fine. Absolutely fine. Um, it was good. I, I mean, I'm not going to... I am, actually, I am. I'm going to go on the referee. I thought you were shite. But that's not just for us. It wasn't a red card. Dan Ballard, I think, when they hit the bar, was very lucky not to give away a penalty. That, that, that was a penalty. 100% that was a penalty. Um, absolutely wiped him out. <laughs> the one on Clark was a penalty. 
Yeah. But he gave a free kick the other way because Clark handballed it. So <laughs> for me, that should have been a yellow card for deliberate handball or a yellow card for diving, whichever way he wants to put it. I think, again, he tried to show he was the, I'm the main man here. Um, but look, I was I was, I was was pleasantly surprised to see the 13 minutes and know that they're not going to accept all this shithousery that, when they, <clears throat> that was, became used to over the last oh, five seasons, I would say. Um, and if it eradicates it, then great, because I doubt we'll see 13 minutes going forward because clubs now will look and go, well, they're going to add it on, so we're just doing ourselves an injustice. So just keep it moving a bit. Um, he cautioned the goalkeeper for time-wasting. Excellent. But where was his second yellow card for doing it again, literally five minutes later? Bit of consistency, please. But, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. If us as paying spectators are getting more value for the money, that's fine. Yeah, I think, I think if you're sticking about if you're sticking about ten minutes average per game over the course of a year over the course of the season, you'll get three extra games. So you definitely get more bang for your buck. I mean, for me, it made it more exciting, and I went, "Well, that's fair." They're probably wasted about that amount of time, but um, unfortunately, we hit the post in the last minute, and and it was a two-one defeat. But um, we'll move on. We'll move forward. We've got about a minute or so here left because um, I still have not paid for the Zoom premium, um, Dave. Any players you'd like to see in the, the game against uh, Crew on Tuesday? Tuesday. Yeah, I'd love to see Chris Rigg uh, given a runabout. Uh, I'm keen to, keen to see how he gets on. Um, other than that, happy to happy to see any of them. Hopefully, and maybe it's Hamia again. Maybe try and get him a goal, try and give him a bit of confidence. Other than that, I'm, I'm fairly easy going at the minute. Surely we've got to bring Bradley Dak in. If he's not completely match fit. Um, this is a perfect game to bring him in, surely. Yeah, yeah, you agree. They're the two names I had sort of there. And I think Huggins as well, maybe, but I think Huggins will probably play anyway because of Hume being suspended. I can't even, I don't actually even know if he's suspended for the league game, and I don't know. Lads, thanks for joining me. I wish it was a win to start with. It's the first time we've had to do an opening day defeat, but um, hopefully everyone listens enjoyed it. And you know what? Go and subscribe if you have enjoyed it. That would be nice. Thanks very much. Thank you. Listen.